0: Being an abolitionist requires unlearning every single thing we've been told about jails, prisons, and police since birth. To consider people as full human beings instead of monsters and psychos. To prioritize community over our selfish need for revenge. This is Awkward 10 Demands. So, this is CJ Baker, and this is episode
1: 21 of the Ongoing History of Protest Music, companion podcast to the website OngoingHistoryOfProtestsongs.com. So today my special guest is activist, journalist, and rapper, among many other things, Awkward, who recently recorded the song, 10 Demands, and he helped co-found the 10 Demands for Justice initiative. I'd like to thank you for being here.
0: Thank you. This is a very important to me. Protest music, I think it's the soul of the revolution. Um, MLK said something to that effect. Soul of the movement.
1: It definitely does. So of course we're doing this through Zoom, so we are all social distancing. And how have you been making out with the pandemic?
0: Overall, pretty good. Most of the uh, most of the things we do nowadays can be done online. Um, yep. You know, and when we go out, whether it's for, uh, you know, some kind of conference that, um, you know, is done outside or a protest or going food shopping, we wear our masks, you know, Uh, but it's pretty crazy that we've hit a million people uh, worldwide um, who've lost their lives to this. And there's still countless people across this country who believe it's a hoax. I
1: know it's mind boggling to think about that. Yeah it's good that uh, you're at least taking steps to adapt. It's good. So, as we mentioned, you recently released the song "Tender Demands with Jesse Jett.
0: The revolution's now. We still can't breathe. You think it's revolutionary defunding police? That's phase one. We will abolish the beast. Demilitarize and allocate funds to our needs. Cops don't stop crime, so we're placing peacekeepers. Training counselors, mediators, and teachers. Freeing protesters,
1: political leaders. And blasting revolution every rap from the speakers. Mm-hmm. So what was the motivation behind that team? Um, so
0: back in May, we started kind of joining organically a group of about a dozen or so activists, some more active than others, some have come and gone, Um, but the purpose overall was to address a couple major issues um, in society in this country that certainly intersect with other issues, Um, but, you know, we see these as being incredibly timely, the kind of thing that you can't wait um, to address, Um, and as demonstrated by months of protests nonstop across the country, um, including every single state in this country. Uh, there are a lot of people that agree. Um, and so those issues are uh, police violence, um, mass incarceration, uh, the criminalization of race and class, um, and the ways that, you know, all of those things... In- Excuse me, <laughs> D- barking dogs. Um, yeah. The way that those things intersect in in our society, um, and you know, since I've been doing music now for a couple decades, and I've been involved in um, justice, uh, racial, social, criminal justice activism for just as long, it seemed to make sense to me to kind of combine those two things and use this ten demands song and video to spread awareness about what is going on in our country, as well as uh, the steps we can take to address it. Um, At 10 Demands, we are abolitionists. We believe in the abolition of police and prisons. And, um, you know, in the beginning of this song, we, you know, I address all of the issues. And toward the end of the song, I provide solutions. Um, And the video just illustrates that.
1: I thought that's one thing that's effective about it because I checked out the website 10forjustice.com and it's well laid out for those that maybe have a tough time processing information that way I think the song is effective kind of almost condensing that in musical form
0: yeah and that's you know one of the things that music does really well and has done for for so long you know um, as we said at the beginning of this conversation um, you know there needs to be soul to a movement and yeah. music music is that um, my songs over the past couple decades have been used in college classrooms, in um, high schools in teen centers, and at protests um, for unions, for um, freeing Mumia um, at Occupy Wall Street um, you know and and this is the kind of thing that you know also. It's like life imitates art, art imitates yeah. life. I actually begin this song um, with every city, every town, burn the precinct to the ground. Yeah. That's, that's a protest chant that I've now incorporated into this
1: song. I think that's the thing that especially, cause sometimes there's obviously a number of musicians that are involved in activism as well. Yeah. Sometimes we associate it as two different acts. With you, it seems to very much so sac, your music yeah. seems to be an extension of your activism.
0: Yes, absolutely. I, I think um, I was, I'm probably most well-known um, for my music, um, and there's really no separating the music from the activism. Um, I've done a lot of songs over the years that were not um, explicitly um, political, yeah. But I think every action, every breath I take is political. The clothes I choose to wear, the way I talk, where I spend my money, what foods I eat—you um, know. So if I'm writing a song about um, a relationship, it's still going to be coming from my perspective. Um, so you know, in in a way where you know, you might find a song that has some sexist elements to it. Yeah. Um, you're not going to find that in, in my music because even if I, you know, if I have those feelings, those feelings then are followed up with, interesting, why am I having those feelings? You know, no. is it fair of me to start thinking all all women are bad because this woman hurt my feelings? So that's the kind of stuff in a song that is not overtly political, you'll see, you know, yeah. um, and when it comes to politics or, you know, more overt stuff, I've, I've touched on everything from um, rape culture to fracking um, to, you know, um, unequal education. Um, I've talked a lot about um, mass incarceration and police brutality, um, you know, so when I was approached to get involved in Ten Demands, um, it was a no-brainer, yep. um, and it, as, as I said, it really made sense to, to lay out this framework in a way that, as you put it, you know, might be easier for some people who don't understand what um, is really going on in this country um, and don't understand what abolition means.
1: So we mentioned that, like the Ten Demands for Justice, and there's already mentioned like the website 10forjustice.com do you want to expand a bit more of the objective of what that initiative and what's involved with the 10 demands
0: yeah absolutely um i'll first start by saying that um you know the video is on the website um and in the description of the video is the link to the song all of the proceeds from the sale of the song are going to are being split between Black Lives Matter and the movement for Black Lives. Um, however, uh, you know, having said that, um, the criminalization of certain society or of certain communities um, yep. extends beyond African Americans. Um, yep. You know, Indigenous peoples are also represented in the Ten Demands, um, yep. as are brown people, and as are all poor people. Um, You know, in our, in our country, you know, it's very clear that, you know, one in three black boys born today is going to end up incarcerated. Um, Black people are 600% more likely to be killed by a police officer. Um, However, you know, it's not just that. Um, You know, we have 2.5 million people incarcerated in this country and seven out of 10 of the people in jail have never even been convicted of a crime. Um, you know, we we have entire poor communities who are criminalized and um, arrested for doing things that they're forced to do because as a result of poverty. Um, so, what abolition and you know entails is not just getting rid of police and prisons overnight. Yeah. Um, it essentially starts with what has become somewhat of a popular battle cry these days, which yeah. is a really great step in the right direction. And that's defunding police, only it's not enough to just decrease by 5%. It's not enough to do what they did in New York, which was not defund at all, but simply move resources um, from the police budget to the school budget and continue to militarize public schools. Um, What you need to do is reallocate those resources that are being taken from the police departments and put them in other places. Um, So the 10 Demands for Justice um, break down a number of areas that need to be addressed right away, as well as provide this vision for an alternative society, um, where in place of, for example, patrols of um, targeted racialized um, communities, we we are replacing them with peacekeepers and wellness checks. Yeah. Um, Instead of um, mass arresting people, we're decriminalizing poverty, we're decriminalizing the sex trade, um, we're legalizing marijuana, um, we're we're ending cash bail so that these seven out of 10 people who are not necessarily guilty are not rotting away, um, you know, in jails just waiting to to go to trial. Um, It it includes um, ending the death penalty, it includes... Um, you know, it, it includes, uh, what was the other thing that I was thinking of? Um, well, I mean, one thing that we see all the time now uh, during these protests is yeah. that we are protesting police violence and they're yeah. responding with more violence, Yeah. Um, So one entire um, demand is dedicated to ending all strategic counter-protest violence, Mm -hmm. and we consider um, unwarranted arrests and dispersals to be violence. So within each demand on the website, you see a very explicit, drawn-out explanation of what we mean for each demand. So for that one, that includes, um, you know, ending all arrests of protesters. It includes freeing um, all of the protesters who are incarcerated and expunging, um, you know, their records. And it includes um, removing the right for police officers to disperse crowds. These are people who um, are are legally, um, you know, coming to a public space. It is written into our constitution. The violence begins when police start beating people and arresting them, for example, for Holding a register to vote sign, like what happened the other yeah. night in in Portland, um, and we also you know include um, as part of this you know solutions as as I said, so you know we 're not saying remove police and just let people run wild, yeah. provide a framework for what the alternative would be, and we also provide justification for why this is a better solution. Um, police themselves are not just during protests, but every day, a significant cause of the violence in this country. Over 40% admit to abusing their spouses. One third of stranger murders in this country are committed by cops. Um, And it has been proven by significant amounts of research that irrespective of who you were prior to an interaction with a police officer interacting with the police officer predicts future criminal activity. So if you combine that with the fact that we have immense amounts of of poverty and inequality, we have underfunded schools, we have luxurious rehab facilities for rich people, but nothing to treat mental illness or um, drug addiction for for people who can't afford it. Um, We don't have healthcare for all. The trillions of dollars that go into police departments would go into funding these things. Um, so, in addition, we would we would create a new system of um, transformative reparative justice. Um, we would in, we would incorporate um, education. We would incorporate uh, rehabilitation. We would incorporate um, violence prevention. And if a crime still happens, because of course. It will happen. It's not going to completely negate crime. Um, but once we've limited what is considered a crime, once we've equalized the playing field, whatever crimes are committed, people will be held responsible as human beings. Yeah. It requires thinking outside the prison box, rethinking the concept of crime and punishment and of yeah. revenge. It means fixing this the problem, fixing the people who have perpetrated the crime, who in the vast majority of cases have been victims themselves, and helping the people who are the victims of the crimes. Um, so that through reparative justice, through taking steps to right your wrongs, the everyone is improved. The The entire situation is transformed and the society as a whole is transformed.
1: I think that's the thing. I know sometimes when people hear the word, Abolition initially think it's some kind of wild, radical idea. That's why I like how it's logically presented on the website as a series of steps. So as you mentioned, it's just not a matter of wake up in the morning and absolutely no police and all the criminals yeah. are free to go. And right. it's it, it, a series you know, of steps there.
0: Exactly. People assume that it is this overnight process and yeah you'd have to be crazy to think that we in our society today, which is basically on the brink of a full-on race war yeah. um, where cops are actually coordinating with Proud Boys and Patriot Prayer yeah. while beating um, anti-racists, we could possibly just open up the prisons and jails and get right. rid of the cops. You know, A yeah. ton needs to be done to set this up. And as I said, defunding is the first step. So- yeah. As we're defunding, we're creating these other mechanisms so that over time, as we slowly but surely defund the police budgets to zero and the police officers' salaries to zero, we have set up all these other institutions that are non-carceral that can replace what is there now. Um, you know, and so we are we believe that you know a, a lot of this can be done on the local level, yep. a lot of this can be done on the state level. So, you know, in addition to putting out this song, um, you know, that is aiming to get donations for um, leading black organizations, but also spread the message, um, we have distributed flyers to protesters in this country. um, And we're collecting email addresses for leaders at all stages of government so we can put these demands in front of them. Um, You know, not just the 10 demands themselves, but an extra. You know the website. You know, essentially repurposing the website so that they can see what is what is, what each demand entails. Yeah. And also, what we envision as the alternative. Tons have tons of work has been done for decades um, by people like Angela Davis and Mariam Kaba and more recently Dereka Purnell. Um, as always, you know black women are taking the lead and getting little of the credit. Um, you know It made sense within our our small organization we 're one of like fifty abolitionist organizations yeah. in the country. It made sense for us to have me kind of be um, a vocal spokesperson because, as a public figure and musician. I've been doing this for years. We weren't going to ask someone who doesn't rap to make a rap song. Um, That makes sense, right? But however, um, you know, I'm actually the only person who, and I'm a Jew, but I'm the only white person in the group at all. Um, And so, you know, I have, in a sense, you know, based a lot of what my knowledge is on personal experience as a white person, but you know, also. Um, or someone who passes as white, um, and you know what i 've read, but yeah. the the input of the of Cheyenne who 's an indigenous woman, the input yeah. of uh, patrona, who 's a black woman, um, yeah. has been absolutely critical. you know yeah. they are living this every single day, their family members are living this every day, and it 's life and death now, yeah. I feel it as strongly as anyone could, but i don 't live it you know. Um, yeah. And 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 that's why it was so important um, for us to base our knowledge and research on the women who have the black women who have preceded us, but also the ones in my group who are experiencing it right now.
1: Yep, that's definitely important there. So definitely, like we mentioned websites, so it's definitely worthwhile to check out because it could be those that I think just about everyone agrees that the system needs to be fixed. Yeah, but if there's yeah. questions of how to do it, or when yeah. people see protests, they say, "Okay, I can appreciate the protest." Uh, what steps do they want? Like sometimes they just think that it's, it's a loose collective of people protesting, and that they're not really demanding any changes, but just clearly outlines.
0: Right. What the demands are. Right. That's why we wanted it, you know, in the hands of protesters. That's yeah. why, you know, what they've been doing in Seattle has been more effective and super important in, like, you know, leading the way. You know, yeah. having concrete demands really yeah. makes a difference. And while you're out on the streets protesting, you also are at board meetings and ma- and putting those demands in front of the city council. Yeah. You know, um, and then you're also voting for progressive candidates. Um, you know, like Jason Call in in Washington, who, you know, not only support the initiative, um, Jason, for example, um, not only endorsed 10 Demands, but made it his platform for criminal justice. Um, You know, trying to, you know, electing Cori Bush was a a major victory. She's a Black Lives Matter activist. Um, So we're trying to come at this from all the different angles and to be as Organized um, as possible, um, you know, and there's certainly small disagreements here and there within the activist circles and yeah. you know outside of it, but I think you're right, um, you know people are wrong in saying the system is broken. the system is functioning beautifully, it's doing yeah. exactly what it was intended to do. Yeah. Um, what we need to do is dismantle a system that is unjust, yeah right. Um, we need to create a, a new system that will hopefully be as effective, but actually effective for everybody and not just for the rich, um, not just for white people, not just for straight men, um, you know, and I think like, you know, there's a lot of confusion, as you mentioned, the protests like um, with with on the one hand, Trump saying Antifa is a terrorist organization. Yeah. Meanwhile, the FBI is saying Antifa's not. A thing at all, yeah. um, and and Trump's own um, Department of Homeland Security people telling him that it's the right wing, alt right fascists who yeah. are the greatest threat to our safety and and democracy. Yeah. But we we as we always have, we have a media that tells people what they want to tell them, not what's actually true. Yeah. Um, so the misinformation and disinformation is is rampant there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of ignorance. Um, and there's a lot of deep seated racism, um, homophobia, um, sexism. And like, you know, I thought it was really interesting. I saw a tweet yesterday from some right-wing person who said, um, you know, one of Trump's old people yesterday, I guess, was like threatening to kill himself and he had a whole bunch of guns. And so the, so the cops came and he was, um, talking to one cop peacefully and then you watch the video out of nowhere a whole bunch of other cops come running in and tackle him and this tweet this tweet was like i can't believe this brutality does this only happen to trump supporters now the comedy of that of course is that the trump supporters it never happens to you know they stormed capitol buildings all over the country because they didn't want to wear masks to protect themselves from covid spit in the faces of cops with machine guns in their hands and nothing happened. But someone else replied, maybe this will be the straw that breaks the camel's back, so to speak, of like people on the right wanting to stop police brutality too. Yeah. I, I kind of doubt it, but um the more it happens, the more it's in your face, um, yeah. you know, the more widespread the, you know, position will be that it needs to end. Um you know, the reason why mass incarceration doesn't bother so many people is because it's, you know, the, the, the proportions of people, you know, who are impacted for, for your average middle-class white person, it doesn't matter, right? Like it's not their family members who are, um, getting arrested on petty charges and spending, you know, because of mandatory minimums, decades in prison. Um, you know, when they get caught with weed, they get let go. Then Now that it's partly legal, they're making money off of it, you know, while people are still locked up for for decades for doing the the very same thing. Um, So it's really about teaching people the truth, you know, and that's what this song is trying to do. Um, Entertain, of course, Um, you know, for what it's worth, I think it's, you know, my best song yet. I think it's like the best, the best poetry, the best- you know, rhyme schemes, like all of that, when it comes to hip hop, I think it's a really quality song. And, you know, I've had some people in the hip hop circle say the same, um, because, you know, you can't come across as preaching. No. And if you don't have any talent at all, no one's going to want to listen. So no. hopefully the song is, is good enough and entertaining enough where you want to listen to it, you no. know, it bangs in the car and all that stuff. Yeah. And meanwhile, you're like, oh shit, that's like a crazy thing that I just heard. You know, let me yep. look into that.
1: Yep, and it does work as a piece of art. Quite often, art is a reflection of the political situation, too. So it does yep. definitely have that impact there. So, yeah, so just the one other thing I wanted to mention that I noticed, like with the 10 demands, the one demand that stood out, because sometimes people might think this as a separate demand from abolition. Is you include reparations as well. Yeah.
0: We get in reparations and apologies for past and current crimes, damaged psychologies.
1: Yeah. So why was that so important? to Include that?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um it's one of the things that def that definitely differentiates us from a lot of the other lists of demands yeah. um that that came from um the black and indigenous people in our organization. Who were very clear that from their conversations, um, you know, this was something that, you know, their communities, yeah. the, the, you know, that who they've spoken with, um, really prioritized. Um, and you know, so it's I guess it's it's not enough to just um, apologize and move on, especially if no changes are going to be made. Um, it's not enough to just apologize. And implement the changes. Yeah. Um, a lot has to be done, and different things um, yeah. for each of those communities um, to to equalize the playing field. Yeah. Um, you know, the descendants of the African slaves yeah. um, have had generations of um, you know persecution since slavery. Yeah. So they were brought here against their will, you know, and then they had um, the chain gangs, um, you know, and the black codes, um, or the slave codes, I mean. Then they had Jim Crow, and, you know, now we have new slaves with with the prison industrial complex. Um, You know, for indigenous people, you know, I I think it goes without saying, but like, we took their land, we raped and murdered them, we, you know, and then we made these treaties that we didn't follow through on. Um, so as part of the 10 demands with the reparations, it's a public apology and it's also recognizing in perpetuity, all of those treaties, those that were passed and those that weren't, um, and it's, you know, actual reparations, um, for, for black Americans, for descendants of, of slaves as well. Um, that's really the only way that, you know, we're going to get to the point where um, economically, which is such a big yeah. part of this, um, you know we are considered close to equal or have close to the same opportunities yeah. um, you know then when it comes to indigenous people there's also that you know because this was their land first yeah. and you know they want sovereignty as well, and on their lands the, the, those that are remaining they deserve to be able to police or you know how whatever words you want to use, but manage their own communities. Um, police is probably the opposite of the right word. Um, yeah. Although you know they, you know, as a community, they feel differently about um, policing because of you know the situation with um, with rape and and assault and kidnapping that is unique to you know to their community. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to to black people in this country. Um, you know there are only three, um, maybe it's four, uh, black CEOs um, in this country. Um, the you know the difference in um, you know I, I I think like it's 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 absurd the. Um, the, in, you know, inequity in, um, hiring practices in, in re- in real estate practices, um, every, every possible way, um, in this country, uh, that, you know, enables the, you know, inequality, um, and injustice to continue. So, um, something like reparations is, you know, one step in, in the right direction. Um, but, you know, as we're trying to change so many aspects of, you know, this society, you know, what goes along with that should also be, um, you know, the opposite of what Trump just declared was gonna happen for government organizations, but diversity and inclusion efforts in in all companies. Um, Because not only are uh, people with African-American sounding names not called for interviews, those that somehow get through the cracks and get hired, the vast majority experience, um, you know, uh, some form of uh, discrimination once they're in the workplace. Yep. So a lot has to be done um, to change all of the mechanisms in this society. And as an abolitionist, you kind of see it all. As connected, um, yeah. our healthcare system, our economic system, environmental justice, educational justice, electoral justice—you yeah. know—the fact that the vast majority of those um, votes that are um, not counted or prevented from happening, those are poor people. Those are people yeah. of color. You know, it's just piled on. So we need to kind of unpile all of that stuff.
1: I know mean, here in Canada, our issues are slightly different. Even when you look at, like for example, we have a terrible track record dealing with the indigenous community. So those questions quite often there's discussions about reconciliation and something where a subject like reparations is a very important topic there as well. These are discussions that need to be had. And I think that's the thing. It's people might think that this is a uniquely US issue, but just about every country, wherever my listeners are listening to this but every country are dealing with at least some aspects of these issues.
0: Yeah, certainly. I think, you know, what, what really differentiates the U.S. is, um, you know, the racial element. Yeah. You know, any country with capitalism has the same economic issues. Yeah. You know, any, comp- any country that does not have free education and free healthcare mm-hmm. is dealing with those issues, um, but, you know, the violence in this country Um, The, you know, the, the violence of police in particular, um, the mass incarceration, the racism, um, and the guns, Um, you know, that definitely makes the United States unique. Um, And, you know, one of the things we've been doing in kind of as part of spreading our message is comparing the United States to other countries, you know, how many police killings are there in Japan um, there are three a day in the United States. I think there was one or something last year for in Japan. You know, so um, we're comparing not ourselves, not to so-called third-world countries, yeah. but the other leading countries, and it's 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 a stark contrast. Yeah,
1: definitely. So we can go back to your music because there's another album I wanted to specifically talk about. So this was. Studio album you did in 2014 called Road View. Yeah. So this was definitely an ambitious 100% charity global hip hop project, which I know expanded six continents and 16 countries and took five years to complete. Yeah. But what was the motivation behind that album?
0: Um, You know, at the time, one of the things that, uh, I mean, honestly, it all started on MySpace. However, you know, in 2008 or 2009, um, and I was getting people asking me from all over the world to for a cappellas so oh. they could create remixes, oh. and it, it became clear to me just how global hip hop is, yep. um, and the power of hip hop to unite us um, internationally as well as you know within this country. Um, and so what I wanted to do was take my first solo um, album yeah. and, and kind of make it an homage to hip hop um, and you know, use it to spread awareness about issues that affect the hip hop community, um, give back to an organization that you know, affects um, people in the communities that birthed hip hop. Yeah. And also showcase the global nature of hip hop today. Um, So it's a very unusual um, solo studio album in that um, there are very few songs where I appear by myself. Um, You know, on a lot of the songs, I have other featured artists who are rapping. um, But as you mentioned, you know, there's six continents and 16 Mm -hmm. countries involved, and that's all through the production. So I worked with tons of producers, um, you know, in Latin America, in Europe, in Asia, and in Africa, um, you know, to to create this project. And as you can imagine, when you're working across continents with yeah. differing, um, you know, Wi-Fi networks yeah. and, and um, political situations yeah. and you know, like it it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of coordination. Um, a lot of the songs, you know, I was able to record in person yep. in the United States with American artists, you know, mm-hmm. in the studio together. Um, I recorded a few videos or shot yep. a few videos for that album as well. Um, one with the late, great Sean Price. Yep. Um, and, you know, so, you know, so there was some human interaction too, but, yep. you know, it really showed... It really was is a great historical piece in evidencing this this transitionary period where nowadays so much music well especially in the midst of covid yeah. um which we didn't expect at the time, of course, yeah. so much music is made online so much yeah. music is made by people who are collaborating and have never even met in person and never yeah. will um so you know it was. I don't. I don't know if it was one of the first, but it was certainly right in the thick of that beginning period where, where that was happening. Um, and I did get to meet, you know, a few people from the UK and from yep. Africa when they came over to the United States. Um, I did a show in Brooklyn um, with hip hop pansula, who was yep. unfortunately also passed away. Oh. Um, you know, during that time period, um, he was a megastar in South Africa. Yep. Um So yeah, I mean, it, it was really um, it ended up being like, I don't know, like 45 songs. Um, yeah. the first album I sold, uh, you know, through the traditional means, but also yeah. DJ Booth uh, put it out um, through its website um, and we sold it there. Um, and then the second disc it was just completely free. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it was it was quite an undertaking. And honestly, um, a lot has changed since then. Yeah. I've, I've put out far less music um, since then than I did in the period creating that yeah. um, and at the time that, that I released it. Um, before 10 Demands, um, the last song, the last fully new song that I put out was um, Heather Hire. Um, AKA, can, can I curse on this thing? <laughs> I go
2: ahead.
0: Okay. Um, AKA, fuck Trump. Uh,
2: they tried to kill my child, child, to, my child, child to shut her, her, shut her up. Her up. Well, guess well, guess what? You just magnified, you just magnified her. her.
0: It's me. Back. Heather Hay, arrest in power. Nazi punks, fuck Not my president. That I put out uh, a month or less than a month after Charlottesville and the Unite the Right rally. Um, So nowadays, you know, I'm very heavily involved in, you know, activist strategy and organizing. Um, I also do a lot of uh, journalism. I have my own interview show on YouTube. Um, I do a lot of writing um, and marketing stuff. Plus, I have two kids, yeah. um, 11 cats, and two dogs. Yeah, so that's um, a fun job right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, I'm incredibly busy. And so yeah. I, I really, um, I hope that every song I, I put out now is, yeah. you know, my, the highest level of quality that I yeah. personally have the ability to, to do. Um, yeah. Because it is really thought out. Yeah. It's really time sensitive. Um, it's, it, it's really purposeful. Um, thankfully now, I do finally have my own studio set up. Um, when I moved out, when I, when I left New York City, um, after Worldview, um, my stuff was all in storage and um, that certainly played a role too. Um, so now that I have my own studio set up and so many crazy things are happening, I, I, I can't imagine another song won't happen soon. Um, and I'm work. I'm thinking of creating a uh, an EP possibly with Jesse Jet, okay. um, who uh, produced 10 Demands" and sang the chorus. Um, that relationship was so was so smooth, and um, I think he's an amazing singer. Um, so that that could be in the works as well. Um, but certainly, it's you know, it's it's hard to juggle all of these different yeah. things, and also to understand you know with my you know, who I am and what I, you know, the very little kind of um, reach that I do have, yeah. what's the best way to prioritize my time? Am I yeah. more effective creating 10 Demands or am I more effective creating a song about it? Yeah. Um, in this case, I did both. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm constantly kind of juggling all of these different responsibilities.
1: And I guess it goes back to the music being an extension of the activism. yeah. Definitely. And when you produce a song, it would definitely serve a specific purpose.
0: Yep, yep. You're absolutely right. But I, but you know, fittingly for um, a podcast and website that focuses on protest music, yeah. um, there's nothing that I there's nothing that I value more um, than that contribution I've made. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing I enjoy more than yeah. than creating this this political art. Um, yeah. so, you know, unless I lose my voice, uh, permanently, I don't think I'll ever stop.
1: And even going back uh, to the album worldview, there was one collaboration which stood out to me because he's definitely a legend in connection with political, hip hop is you got a chance to collaborate with KLS1. Yeah, I knew. So what mean, was it like yeah. working yeah. with him? Was that kind of an in-person or was that more no. through online?
0: Yeah that that one was not in person unfortunately no. um you know and also it's 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 not one of my favorite songs you no. know it's an honor to be able to to work with someone like that it's no. an honor to have had chuck d co sign my music and and play no. my stuff on his radio station no. um you know because certainly um I wouldn't be here if it weren't for them um no. hip hop and and activism saved my life no. um, I grew up in a in a really rich conservative town um that was very racist and anti-Semitic. And you know, I was working class, I come from a working class Jewish leftist family. Um, I experienced a ton of anti-Semitism and then noticed that the very few people of color, yeah. the the LGBTQ people, um, the physically um handicapped uh people, you know, are Anyone who was not fit into this very small yeah. box experienced things even worse than I did, um, and I was incredibly violent um, growing up, and and angry, angry. The anger, you know, produced the violence. Yeah. Um, thanks to my mom, you know, being an influence as an activist and hip hop music being an outlet for me, I was able to take this anger and and translate it into something positive um yeah. and as i you know put the violence aside and put the other stuff in front like that is how i ended up you know not going to prison or not yeah. being killed um because i was in a lot of situations that could have ended up in either of those cases um and you know so certainly to be able to you know to work with any of these artists that helped me grow up and and figure out who I was going to be in and in a positive contributor to society, um, you know, feels absolutely incredible, you know? Um, there's, there's no question about that. Um, but, you know, as you kind of suggested, like being able to have worked with him in person, um, you know, would have been a more visceral experience. Yeah. Um, so certainly some of the studio time I spent at, at Harry Fraud studio like working with Sean Price. Yeah. Um, you know, he's an example of someone who was certainly not political in his music, but what he stood for was political because, yeah. you know, he was kind of the antithesis of the shiny, shiny suit P. Diddy hip hop, like rap music. Like what he represented was the streets, and yeah. what he represented was like what, you know, struggle. And, yep. and selling drugs to survive and like, you know, never leaving Brownsville, um, you know, working with him in person meant more to me probably than working with a legend in political hip
1: hop, you know, through the internet. Yeah, music can definitely, as you mentioned, play that important outlet, it can help us get through different situations. And I think that's something that I basically any music fan I think it's experienced that and like even going back to my own youth with struggling with anger and depression issues. It wasn't for music, I don't know how to get through that.
0: Yep, one hundred percent. And and I was I was there too. There were you know, there were years I or not I shouldn't say years, but there were well there were years where for extended periods of time yeah. I also couldn't get out of bed, you know. Yeah. Um, and and you know, I would say like punk music and hip hop were were there for me.
1: So before we conclude, is there anything else you want to plug or say?
0: No, I, you know, I guess I would just say that, you know, I, I really value the work that you do. Um, Not enough people, um, you know, shine a light on this kind of music, Um, you know, both with your website and your podcast um, and the work you do for um, other sites, um, you know, giving us an opportunity to be, seen by more people um you know and spread our message further is is greatly appreciated um so thank you and and then i would just say to to those who are listening um it's 10forjustice.com it's spelled out t e n f o r justice.com um we also have you know the usual social handles and it's 10demands uh-huh. um t e n d e m a n d s and i am um Awkward rap on all the socials, A W A W O R D R A P. Um, if you want to ask me any questions about abolition, about uh, my experiences making hip hop music, um, you know, or if you want to help me fight Nazis, um, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> That's
1: something we talked about people in. And- Antifa as is a terrorist organization, but the fact that being anti-fascist is considered radical. know, yeah. it's, uh, it's
0: unreal. And, you yeah. know, the amount of, uh, the amount of hate that I get, the, you know, I've been doxxed, I've been threatened, um, you know, and then just the everyday deluge on Twitter. Um, it's amazing how many people I've blocked, you know, it, it's yeah. not worth engaging with them. Um, you don't even know who they are because they're online, right? Um, yeah. But it's, it's really, it's pretty scary when you think about how many people there are in this country, and I'm sure in Canada as well. Um, there are, you know, collectives of anti-fascists in Canada as well, um, and they exist for a reason. Um, it's, it's really important that, you know, not that we get approval um, from a fascist government, but that we fight despite that you know, because we are on the right side of history. We are the ones who care about justice and equality and, and don't want people to be murdered um, by cops and by racists and don't want people rotting in prison. So um, as hard as it gets, you just got to keep your head up and keep going. And, you know, that's what I try to tell myself. Um, it's hard. You know, I try to separate um, my family life from what I do is awkward um, I do fear for their for their safety, um, but you know, we're prepared to to fight back if we need to.
1: Yeah, I guess that'd be the thing is keep doing what we can do. Of course, that's different for each individual. Yeah, to yep. so yeah, Thank exactly. you Never. for your time.
0: Yeah, don't get down on yourself either. Don't feel like you, you yeah. you're not doing enough. Yeah. What, the, the, what you can do is is what you can do. You know, and yeah. every little bit
1: is appreciated. Good, and that's a positive note to end our discussion. Absolutely. So I'll man. encourage our listeners to check out the 10forjustice.com and to check out the social media handles that you share with us as well. And thank you again for taking the time to have this discussion with me. Thank you, and be good. Be safe. This concludes episode 21, the Ongoing History of protest music podcast. leave any comments or feedback, you can do so at the contact page of the website, ongoinghistoryofprotestsongs.com. You can direct message me at Twitter at Protest. Also, I recently started a Patreon at patreon.com slash ongoing history of protest music. Patrons receive exclusive content, such as patron-only monthly episodes, early access, and exclusive video content. I'd like to thank my special guest, Awkward. Make sure you check out his song, and Demands, which can be found at Bandcamp and other streaming services. Also, check out the website, penforjustice.com. To conclude, we'll play the song, Pen Demands, featuring Long with Awkward, featuring Jesse Jett. We'll play the song in its entirety. Thanks for listening, and please stay safe. Being
0: an abolitionist requires unlearning every single thing we've been told about jails, prisons, and police since birth. To consider people as full human beings instead of monsters and psychos. To prioritize community over our selfish need for revenge. This is Awkward, 10 Demands and they're about to find out. Every city, every town, burn the precinct to the ground. Badgless federales sweep you up without a sound. Neither crying for the Constitution, but the movement moving since the dissolution of the institution of slavery. To the slave codes made to be new slaves with new chains and chain gangs to Jim Crow. They imputed crime to color, collapsed communities for profit, stopping frisk on body cams, reforms not for stopping it, but rather rendering a system even more permanent. So the rich rely on cops and the cops do the murdering? The media reports to ensure the social scare, so everyone fears a world if cops weren't there. Statistics show cops are trained for collecting dollars and punitive systems produce recidivists and dollars. If you're poor, black, and brown, you're born to the siren sound. Tell me how much money are we
2: paying so you'll beat us down? One time I'll say it out loud, honey. To a riot cop, three is a crowd How much money are we paying right now So you'll beat us down One time I'll say it out loud, honey To a riot cop, three is a crowd How much money are we paying right now So you'll beat us down How much are we paying for the cops in cages? Patrolling and chasing,
0: turn the block to Hades Controlling the nation, no pops for babies We've been selling and throwing rocks for ages There's no education, so we clock for wages There's no medication, so there's stock in the basement No justification, pop with no hesitation No reparations, so we fight the enslavement
2: One time I'll say it out loud, honey Two a riot cop, three is a crowd How much money are we paying right now, so you'll beat us down? One time I'll say it out loud, honey Two a riot cop, three is a crowd How much money are we payin' right now, so you'll beat us down? The revolution's now, we still can't breathe You think it's revolutionary defunding police? That's
0: phase one, we will abolish the beast Demilitarize and allocate funds to our needs Cops don't stop crime, so we're placing peacekeepers Training counselors Mediators and teachers Freeing protesters Political leaders And blasting revolutionary rap from the speakers We getting reparations And apologies For past and current crimes Damaged psychologies The war on drugs is over Watch the drop in all the robberies Close the jails and prisons Equalized economy Try to try me And we could still be enemies In this new society Without the death penalty No illegal immigrants No victims in the pens No corporate profiting No crime and punishment We'll tend to mental ailments Applying intervention Ending the surveillance Denying all detention Rebuilding our communities Village by village It's time to check your white male heterosexual privilege
2: One time I'll say it out loud, honey Two a riot cop, three is a crowd How much money are we paying right now So you'll beat us down One time I'll say it out loud, honey Two a riot cop, three is a crowd How much money are we paying right now So you'll beat us down